Hello and welcome to Who Knew in the Moment podcast. Today I'm honored to have Ruben Alvarez, the CEO of the Marketing Hunters. Uh, but first, before we jump into that, I wanted to share an idea that's been pressing for me. And the idea is the phrase, I don't have time, or I ran out of time, and trade that phrase with, it's just not a priority for me. And I think there's a lot of power in that, right? Uh, we all have time to get things done. But when we say yes to one thing, we're saying no to something else. And so we need to really focus on our priorities. So I hope that helps somebody. But anyways, here's to Ruben and I's conversation. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. Today, I'm honored to have Ruben Alvarez. Uh, Ruben has a fascinating story and is quite the entrepreneur with multiple businesses. So it'll be exciting to hear a little bit about you know, how he got into entrepreneurship and how he's had success there and how he's continued to start more and more businesses. One thing that I found out... Um, about Ruben is that he loves the word undeniable. So if he says that a couple of times a day, uh, don't hold that against him. But Ruben, thanks so much for being on today. Yeah, man, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited for it. I think this is the first, uh, the first podcast that has to do with like actual uh, me having to center like on, on a specific moment. So I'm excited for that. Absolutely, man. Well, yeah, you've got some good ones. So it'll be exciting to uh, to highlight those and see how those come about. So, well, in case you haven't listened before, uh, just as a recap, the premise of the podcast is who knew in the moment, right? So those moments in our lives where in the moment, we're not entirely sure exactly what it's going to lead us to. But as we look back in hindsight, we can see that was a pivotal moment. And this is uh, how we've gotten to where we're at. So uh, Ruben, start off and just answer this for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everyone is an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur at heart, but was there anything growing up for you that led you into the entrepreneurial world or got you started thinking about that? Uh, so two things, right? First one, um, I grew up without a father, so I just felt like I had to get along with everyone because I really didn't want to get my my ass kicked and then have my mom, <laughs> you know, pick me up from school. Um, so that was that was the first one, right? Like I just always wanted to make friends, so I was very social. I didn't know people very like well, like on a one on one relationship, but people knew my name and I knew people's names, right? Like somebody came in and said, "Hey, do you need a, a pencil or something?" I'd be like, "Yeah, John, whatever," you know, like so stuff like that. Um, the second thing is like when I got into, I believe it was middle school, I started selling candy, and I, I thought. Like, honestly, I was like the only one, right? Because, uh, well, I was selling Mexican candy. That was the thing that was probably a little bit different. And it was in a primarily like white dominant school. So there was, uh, this was back when they found out that there was lead in Mexican candy, right? So a lot of people were with it and like they loved the Mexican candy. And then there were a lot of people that were like, ah, lead. And they like went like, and they hated me for it, right? But, um, but I, I thought I was always like alone on that, right? And then only to find out that a lot of entrepreneurs have actually had that same story of selling candy. And I'm like, oh man, I'm not alone because it was it was a little shameful at first to be like, hey, I, I was selling candy, I got caught, I got slapped in the wrist, um, I, I was told to stop or else I'd be suspended. And you know, that's kind of how that went. So those were those were kind of like the two things that that led me into like entrepreneurship at some point. Yeah, you betcha. I, I love that. I think a lot of people when they're younger do have some of those entrepreneurial things. For me, it was I would I had basketball cards. I was a big fan of collecting basketball cards, uh-huh. but I would repackage some of the not as good ones with one good one and I would keep the other good ones for myself and then I'd sell them for a discount but there are cards I didn't want anyway so yeah, I can yeah, understand yeah. you on the entrepreneurial side there yeah yeah that's that's intense man did you actually like seal them back up so so I bought clear 
packages and then mm. I repackage them into something else. So I'm sure if tops, you know, were to want to look into it, they could sue me for it, but you know, <laughs> it's all yeah. good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No. So that's good. Okay. So we get started there. Now, you know, you mentioned, Hey, you know, growing up without a dad, obviously that impacts a person. Uh, would you mind just talking a little bit about the impact that that had on your life growing up, but now for you as a father? Yeah. So it, the the really weird thing about growing up without a father um, that I'm sure a lot of people are going to be able to relate, whether they grew up without a father or a mother, is that you have like this void. And then once you have kids, you almost not you don't feel bad for them, but you're always like, hey, look, this is what made me into the person that I am today, like the strong person, the the aggressive person, the ambitious person. Am I am I doing them a disservice somehow? Like, yeah. how are they how are they going to be strong? How are they going to be like when I was in. um but a second or third grade, I can't remember exactly when it was. I learned how to play chess. Like my mom didn't know how to play chess. Like my father wasn't around. We we grew up in a trailer home. Like it, it just wasn't in the cards for Ruben to learn how to play chess, like to understand it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I learned how to play it. And there was a tournament where they were showing us how to learn how to play it. And within a week, I came in second place of the tournament. Wow. So I'm like, okay, how is my son going to learn that? Like that, just like, I have to learn how to do something. Right. Yeah. And, um, so it's, it's, it's an, a wrong thinking, but it's only because I've never been shown how to think correctly on that. And the thing is that my son can still learn and he's still going to have his own like demons that he's going to have to to face. The only difference is that he's actually going to have somebody to not say, Hey, I'm going to take away those demons, but here's how you actually have to face them. Yes. That's great, man. I, I love one, the positive mindset on the whole outlook, but two, just understanding that, yeah, it will be a little bit different for your mm -hmm. son, but there's, you can still teach a lot of the same principles that have been invaluable for you. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Okay. So in today's world, you're in one type of business, but at one point you were thinking the culinary route would be the, uh, the route for Ruben. So let's talk a little bit about the culinary, uh, you know, jaunt and what was yeah. going on there. Um, I, it's the same thing I tell everybody. I like to eat. I don't like to cook. And that's pretty much what it came <laughs> down to. And I think when you're young, you just don't understand the difference. Yeah. Right. And, uh, that's, that's the problem. See the, the biggest issue that I see is like, yes, I made a mistake. I'm willing to pay for the mistake. All that's fine. N no, no. It, like you don't drink till you're 21. Right. I really think that the same thing should apply 21 to 25 ish some sometime around there, you you shouldn't be allowed to let people borrow more than like $10,000 until they reach a specific age. Mm. Because honestly, like a lot of people don't really think that like they they're like, I'm going to do this and then they get into it and then they end up changing career because you're not mature enough to really know what the difference is. You're just like, I need to get a job. I need to get a career. Like when I left the culinary, I was making a few dollars more than what I would have if I would just like, you know, started it somewhere else. Right. But what I do appreciate about the culinary is that pretty much they, they showed me shut up, put your head down, eat dirt. Um, you know, I, there was a time where I got like my finger burned, like with an oil spill and I had this big blister, kept working through it for four hours. And finally I said, Hey, I'm, I'm tapping out. Um, didn't used to take bathroom breaks, right? Uh, pulled a pulled a hot pan out of the oven, put it on the stovetop. Didn't realize, it. and I was like, "Oh my god, my hands burned." Kept working through that. So you like perfect for entrepreneurship, right? Like, yeah, that's right, like, that's right. 
you get your teeth kicked in and it's like, okay, good. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, but keep working, you know? So um, that's, that's the one thing that I do appreciate from it. Was it worth, you know, like the 35 grand? Absolutely not. <laughs> well, so uh, something I want to highlight there though, and I think that's a, a pivotal thing for a lot of people is being able to look at examples or situations and correlate them to other things, right? So yeah, you, you may have never actually burned your hand while being an entrepreneur in this next go around, but it's that idea, right? Like, hey, something didn't go as planned and I had to work through it to just get past it and keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, um. so I, I did that and then I don't know if you want to move on to like the next thing, but I worked like nine years in manufacturing and stuff like that. And it was the same thing, yeah. like, like really bad boss, and uh, like abusive in a different, like more, more verbally, psychologically, you know, but it was like the seventies type of, of mentality where it's just like, shut up, I'm paying you keep working. Then it would be good the next day. Then sales would be low. And all of a sudden it wasn't good. So it was like nine years of taking that. And I was just like, just eating dirt, just eating dirt, just yeah. eating dirt, just eating, you know, and pretty much it's like, it took 10 years to get to where I'm at today. And, and I think that if it wasn't for that physical aspect right because it's like you can you can try to get mentally stronger but realistically if you've never been through something hard physically mm. you just don't think that it's possible for you but when you're like dude i literally like i've burned my hand and i i chopped a piece of my finger off you know and for somebody's words to really affect me and be the breaking point it just doesn't make sense at that point yeah so talk a little bit about that you know um hey you were in the manufacturing space and you know i mean if you do something for nine years, it's either you have to do it, right? Because mm -hmm. you got to make ends meet or you enjoy something about it. But what ended up being kind of that breaking point for you where you said, you know what, this is just not something I can do for another nine years. I can't do it for another 19 years. Yeah, well, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm kind of a, an old dog at that point because I was willing to do it forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the, it was pulled. It was pulled away from me. Um, mm. And uh, that that's the problem with putting your faith in other people right? Like you put yeah. your faith in other people, but it, it's very, it's very stupid. And it's very immature of me to believe that somebody else should have my best interest in for like th their best interest should be my best interest. When in reality, it's their best interest should be their best interest. So for me, like me, I wanted to make partner, right? Mm -hmm. And it was never like verbally said, Ruben, like one day you're going to be a partner. But like, I was the guy's like right-hand man. I would take care of all the sales. Like I was, dude, I was 25 years old doing all of his sales when he had just got rid of like revolving door, three sales manager, nobody could deal with him. Um, you know, I was managing, it was $14 million worth of sales at a time being yeah. 25 years old, had like three salespeople underneath me, um, dealing with all the distributors um, and just knowing the business of like manufacturing in and out, like it, something was about to happen. You know what I mean? And, yeah. but the problem was, is that he never meant for that to happen. He was waiting for the sales to go up to sell. And that's what pretty much happened to me is that at 29 years old, sold the company yeah. April of 2019 said, Hey, good job. Gave me a BS bonus and said, we're, we're done pretty much. Wow. So I want to talk a little bit about that because that has to probably at that moment seem like a very low point, mm -hmm. right? You know, you sit there and you say, well, I had these plans, right? I thought it was going to go this way. And now not, not only is it not going the way I thought it would, but it's not going at all. Yeah. Uh, so talk a little bit about, you know, that being a, a 
pushing or a forceful moment for you to say, all right, now I'm going to try this different avenue. So that, that didn't happen to be right. Like um, what happened is I cried internally a lot. Like, I don't think that I actually cried externally a lot, but inside I was just trashed, destroyed. I was like, dude, nine, nine years, you know what I mean? Like nine effing years, like this sucks. And what I'm learning even now is that a lot of the times we say, what do I do? And you're expecting an answer. You're expecting somebody to give you an answer. Mm. But the problem is, is that you're so wrapped in your head that you don't take action on anything. And the action that you actually need to take is you need new information in because you're stuck with the same ideas. So what ended up happening for me is I I was reading a lot of books. Finally, like it took a while. And then I was like, this still isn't doing anything. And then I saw like that Grant Cardone was coming in to like this place. So I ended up buying a ticket and then this coach reached out to me. And then I didn't want to pay like a bunch of money for coaching. My wife's like, do it, whatever. Like we're still in a screwed up place. Anyway, we did the coaching. I finally got the business and it just started kind of like snowballing. Right. But even to this moment, like, my business when I feel really stuck, like there's a lot of times where I I go from different stages, right? And then I reach a plateau and I feel like I reached the plateau way too quick. And I'm like, what the F do I do? And then I go looking for like, I I got to ask Les Brown, like a question on Clubhouse. And I thought my life was going to change, right? And nothing against Les Brown, but he left me hanging. 100%. He left me hanging. He said he was going to do something and he did it, right? Um, But I'm looking for all these answers of like, okay, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm plateauing. I want more people to know me, all this stuff. What do I do? What I needed to do, which actually gave me the best ideas is I read a book on the exact thing that was like eluding me. Mm-hmm. I came up with the idea based on the thoughts of others and it's gotten me to where I wanted to be. Love it. But most people don't, we expect the, the solution to come either just by sitting there and us thinking with our own limited mind right like uh, we only have so much knowledge which we already have and we didn't fix the problem that's why we're in the problem (laughs) and we expect somebody to say hey here i'm gonna come and i'm gonna solve this give the solution to you which again they might leave you hanging yeah nothing against less he just did you know yeah Um, but what it comes down to is go and find the solution go to find the solution somebody else has solved the problem before somebody has been in the exact solution if you can find out what they did or find out a piece of maybe what might be similar then you'll be able to solve the problem so I want to highlight a few things that you said there. So we're going to, we're going to kind of progress through this. So first was you, you were a little bit nervous to make the investment into coaching, which mm-hmm. I think is a very common thing for a lot of people because they see it as an expense, right? But if you heard what I said, I said it was an investment into coaching. So talk a little mm-hmm. bit about why that investment into coaching has been beneficial and why you think it's a good thing. Uh, you're, not, you're not nervous in the, the money, no one's ever nervous in the money. They're nervous in themselves mm. because like, if it was, if it was one of those things that's like, Hey, look, even if this is the shittiest coaching and they give me one piece of advice and I can turn that 1000 into 5,000, you would do it. But right. the problem is, is that you don't believe that you yourself will be able to get something that gets you the 5,000 back. And what I learned from my first coach, my first coach was, he was semi good. Like I would give him, if he actually knew what he was doing he would have been a 10 because he like, he, he was aggressive. And when I was on the phone, he's like, he get dude. Um, yeah, I can say this. I can say this. He gave me Tim Grover's number. I'm not going to say who my coach yeah. was, but like people can piece it all together. He gave yeah. me Tim Grover's number and he gave me three versions of it. And he's like, dude, do you want to call him? And I was like, uh, and he's like, are you nervous? And I was like, yeah, I'm kind of nervous. He's like, okay, I'm going to let you go. But are you going to promise me that you're going to call him? And I was like, yes, I called Dude, I was nervous, like so nervous, oh, yeah. but I called him. Right. 
he, so and what ended up happening is I felt really good about myself. I ended up actually meeting Tim, Tim Grover from like a different thing that happened. Yep. And um, so the whole point is that like, he, I got a lot of good out of him because I did the work, right? I, I, I got a lot of good, but he left me hanging in a lot of spots. So I, I paid him for like three or six months. I can't remember what it was coaching. And he left me hanging for like about four months and I got two months in. I paid him the full amount and I ended up getting way more, right? Because I, I I can't say the exact number, but let's call it like four, four digits, right? Like 4,000, 6,000, 8,000, whatever it is. But like it was within that range. Yeah. And now my business has made over like, I think we're like at 210,000 or whatever, over like two years or something like that. Yeah. So if you think about it, it's a good investment because he kind of Absolutely. gave me the original idea to, to do it, right? Yep. But most people think I'm going to put in 5,000 and I'm not going to get anything back. And the reality is, is if, if you feel that unsure about yourself, mm. that's the problem with the investment. Yeah. It's not until you actually are like, now if I'm like, Hey, I'm going to get a coach. I'm like, is this guy going to give me the one piece that I need? And if he does, that's, that's what's actually holding me back. Right. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not paying you to make me good at something. I'm paying you to give me an idea or two that I wouldn't have thought of without your help. Yeah. I'm oh, stuck. Awesome. Yeah. Now, something that was interesting to me that you had also said was, um, you know, a lot of people don't get to the level they want because they're stuck in not taking action. So talk a little bit about just the actual, sometimes you just need to take action, right? Like sitting there, stewing on an idea, thinking about something is only so good, but eventually you got to take that step and just start figuring it out. So I was, I was talking to my, um, my business partner and he doesn't always kind of understand the the stuff that I'm saying because like I'm the type of person that when I see an idea I'm like oh my god this might be a million dollar idea right like I'm mm -hmm. like I'm like oh no 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 and some people don't understand that like with the with the um the marketing hunters the hashtag in for the kill was supposed to be a part of it and yeah. I was like dude that's way too good of a hashtag for a marketing company like nobody's gonna oh hashtag but if we make it into a big thing then people will get behind it and they'll understand it right yeah um so so whenever you have like this idea if it's a really good idea or you think it's a really good idea, you just have to go all in. Yeah. And like people don't understand it. And if you have to take time to like slow down and, and like explain it to people, then that's totally fine. But most people think like, Oh, I have this great idea. They take like a big step. And then like, they're like expecting a hundred people and then people don't understand. And they're like, I oh, was a crappy idea. And then they don't take any more action. Mm. But the thing is like, it could still be a really good idea. Like we have something that's coming out. That's so controversial. It's freaking awesome. And I've been trying to explain it to him for a long time and he finally understands it. Right. So now we're able to go all in, but like action is just, it, that that's, that's the missing piece to anybody, man. Like if you're, if you're not taking, you know, it, everybody says like, if you're not taking consistent action, blah, blah, blah. But realistically it's a snowball. Like that, that's all yeah. you want to do. You want to be able to say, Hey, look, this one worked. What can I do the next day that's going to work? What can I do the next day that's going to work? So that that way, by the time you're on the fifth day, the first day is still working for you. Yeah. So you have like all these different pieces that are just kind of compounding over time and they're all considered actions. Even though it's a past action, it's still working for you. Absolutely. Have you read the book uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear? Yeah. Man. Yeah. When he talks about just the 1% better every day compounded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not 365% better over the course of a year, right? Exactly. Uh, that's exactly. Good. Yeah. Ten, over 10 years, right? Like people say, I want to be a millionaire. If you're like, dude, if you do what you're doing today over a course of 10 years, will you become a millionaire? The answer is pretty much yes for anybody, right. regardless right. of who it is, yeah. right? Like, okay, if you get a, a, you know, you're making, um, 
whatever your commissions are like 10% commissions, right? Okay. You make five more calls every day. If you do that over 10 years, will you become a millionaire? Probably dude, probably. Yeah. Right. Like, so it's, it's really not that hard to say, Hey, I just have to be consistent in order to become a millionaire. Not, I have to create like a, a badass project or something like that. Absolutely. No, that's good. So, so you and your wife begin a company called marketing hunters. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about how the idea for that business came to be and uh, how, well, I'll ask the second one, how the business idea came to be there. Uh, yeah. So it was, it was based on that coach, right? That yeah. coach, um, it was, it was right after the business was sold. It was like August. So like, a, no, and it was like July and a few, a few months had gone by since the company had been sold. And the guy tells me like, okay, well, you know, you paid me this much. He's like, here's how you're going to get your money back. And he's like, you start a business and you write off everything for the first two years. So like, he's like, if you write off like, you know, seven grand worth of stuff or something like that, then you get your seven grand back plus more on your taxes. And there's my fee. And I was like, I don't really want to start a business just to, to be stupid. Like I'm, I'm very like, not like positive ego centered, I would say like authentic, right. Um, yeah. Where it's like, Hey, if I want to have a business, it's going to be a business. It's not going to be a write-off cash cow type of thing. So um, he's like, it could either be social media, it could be this, or it could be that. So when we started off the marketing hunters, it was only supposed to be social media management, right? Because yeah. that's what, that's the whole like hype right now. It's like having SMMA yeah. and Ty Lopez and Greg Cardone and be a social media marketer, blah, blah, blah. And I honestly, I hate it because um, my, my business, like when I started the social media, I'm very business to business because of the manufacturing, right? So we were able to scale super fast because we know how to work with businesses, not work with like, Hey, you know, Phil, do you want me to charge you 1000 per month to manage your social media? And you're like, what are you doing? It's like, Oh, well, I'm posing for you. Like, nobody's going to accept that. You know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, that's, that was the whole purpose. We were supposed to just start a social media marketing agency just so that that way we could actually have income, still have write-offs and have another like asset producing type of business so that my wife could leave her job. And that's, that's pretty much how it started. And then it kind of turned into a different beast. So talk about that pivot into the next beast. It, so it's, it's growing every day, man. Like, yeah. um, yeah, it, it was social media management. And then we realized, um, my wife could do websites. So we're like, okay, we have a recurring monthly supply and then we have one shot type of supply. Right. And if we're able to combine those, then we have something that's secure. And then we have big, big amounts of money that could come in every so often. And if she's able to finish them in two weeks to a month, then we could roll rotate those from like two to three. And then I found my way into PR and how to get people published. And then, um, I was like, should I do consulting? And then the consulting, I was like, I need a, I've always wanted a business partner. Cause my wife's like, not really, she doesn't like being in business. You know okay. what I mean? She's yeah. supportive, but she doesn't like doing it. So I'm like, I need a business partner. And then I found this guy named John. And then with John, I was like, dude, I'll just move the consulting over there. We'll do courses. We're talking about conferences. Now we're talking about a putting out like a really, really different type of book. That's going to grab people's attention. Um, you know, we did the podcast. I'm on the YouTube. Like it just, it, that's what I'm saying. When you get an idea, you pretty much just have to run with it. And, and if it doesn't work, you kill it. And you say, hey, look, like it's not working because it's taking up too much time. It's not producing assets. There's no attention behind it. People aren't even supporting it. It's going to be a 10-year plan when I could be making money and then come back. So you have to take all these things. But the main thing is like you actually have to look at the ideas and say, I need to do this right now. I found a person. Let me see if it's going to work with him. If not, I'll cut it off and just keep kind of doing that. Absolutely. So you you br- just kind of briefed over this. You said I found this guy, John. Talk a little bit about <laughs> how you found John. Um, God, man. Um, okay, so 
again, plateaus, right? Like I just yep. kind of go from step to step. Um, I was working in manufacturing for nine years, pretty much had no social media presence, um, was a Jehovah's Witness for a really long time, left that. So I was kind of like cut off from, from all the connections I had, right? right. So I had to start over again. Um, I had about like 500 to 800 connections when I, when I decided to start. So I was like, okay, what do I need to do? I need to make better content. So the first thing I did is I hired a photographer and I started stepping up my social media game. This was back when like, dude, I was getting like anywhere from 3000 to 7,000 impressions per post. Right. So I started putting out like really high quality images. I started putting out videos. I started putting out like my quotes that I do now. And I grew from like 800 to like 7,000 in like a course of like five or six months. Yeah. Right. Then it started slowing down and then I got to 10,000 and then now I'm like at 11, five, but it's all slowed down since then, you know, um, that was the first part where like, I, I just started getting a bunch of followers. I put my podcast out and then from there, people started reaching out to me because they were finding me. I hooked yeah. up with this dude named Warner and he was like all about like meeting new connections too. So we started exchanging a lot of people that we were meeting. Right. Yeah. He introduced me to John. Me and John in the beginning, we just had a podcast interview. It was like, whatever, because we swapped like podcasts. Yeah. What ended up happening is that like, I tried to get John to do like some PR. And I was like, dude, like, because John had a lot of connections. He's like in a network marketing. He was like 10,000, like actually, actually knows 10,000 people. Whereas like me, I met them off of Instagram, you know? Yeah. So I was like, dude, if I could leverage John, that would be great. Right. John's like, I don't know about PR. It seems kind of weird, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, John, like I, I get it. So I start telling John, like, no, look, like PR is actually real. I'm writing the story for you. So technically, if you really think about it, you are being featured because I'm writing it. Right, right. right yeah. So I, it just kind of became this thing where I noticed he's like very, very like particular about appearing the right way. And yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm the same. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, I, I start, he tells a story very different, by the way. He tells it like, as like, you know, we, we came to a mutual understanding that we were going to do something together. No, I was hounding John for like three months. I was like, John, we're going to end up doing something. I don't know what it is. Let's yeah. do a course together. Let's do like a, a zoom. Let's do a training, something. Right. Finally he yep. says, yes, we start doing this uh, training thing. We only got a few people to sign up and we were expecting more. So we're like, you know what, dude, let's just, let's kill, kill the training. If people want to do like individual, um, coaching with us for the same price, which was like 500 bucks. We'll do it for a month, which we take a loss, but you know, we'll do that and we'll come back and we'll bring other courses. So we ended up doing that. Now we have two courses out, one of them being Instagram, one of them being podcasting. And we do consulting as well through that side. And it's been very good for us. And we're just continuing to grow it. That's awesome, man. So between you and John inside of these businesses, and then between you and your wife, what is the most important thing about being in business with somebody to make sure that things run smoothly? Um, it's not, it's not always about you. Yeah. It, it's just not always about you. Like you could want, are you just saying that is your, is your wife just like sitting yeah. five feet away? Is that why you said that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, um, no, it, it's, it's, it's me having a lot of trial and error, a lot of um, headaches. And it, it might be the same for the person listening right now. They, they might be experiencing the same thing, you know, but ultimately w- what ends up happening is you have an idea and you tell your employee an idea and what ends up happening, it doesn't get done. Yep. Right. So then you go, oh man, like this person doesn't get done. You get all mad and then you, you're like, okay, well, you know, I, I need to have a talk with them or you're like, I need to fire them or something. Right. Yep. And they just had a bad day. 
Right. And when I look back, I'm like, okay, it's been a year, a little bit over a year and a half that we've started this business and everything's gotten done. I'm way, I'm like in two years, I've done more than I did nine years in manufacturing. And I was so mad one day at someone and I could have fired them. I was pissed off at them. I, you know, like I was so like wrapped in my head and like all these different things. And, and where you're at now, it just doesn't matter. You know what I mean? So like, sometimes like a project could get dropped. The customer could get angry, like just let it go in the, in the grand scheme of things, just let it go. Like, and especially like the people that I hire, most people are so okay with like hiring outside. Right. Because they're like, I need somebody now. Yeah. Every person that I've hired, I know personally, my friend's wife, my wife's cousin, my wife, um, a friend that I've had for like a year and a half on social media is my sales manager, John, that I met through like, you know, a long time. Yep. I know every single person, like, and it might take a little bit longer and I might not be able to take a project on faster, Yep. but that's fine. And then I don't have the problems of like, oh, you know, I hired a meth addict and he's like, you know, he's leaving behind his needles and like he puts his beer cans everywhere. Like, I don't have that problem because I, right. I don't mind like finding somebody who actually needs the job that would benefit from it. And if like, I've had somebody that I knew personally, like leave me and it hurt at first, but I'm like, whatever, dude, like he had to leave, like it's all good. Yep. But that's, that's pretty much how my, my business is run. So it's like, it's just not always about you and take it slow and business will come regardless. Absolutely. Now, now you talked about earlier, one of the uh, neat individuals you've had the opportunity to meet Tim Grover, by the way, to, to Ruben's point, Tim Grover uh, trained Michael Jordan. So kind of a big deal. If you watch the uh, Netflix season, uh, the last dance he's on there, but Tim Grover's got a lot of his own great content. We've also met uh, people like Brad Lee. And on your podcast, you had Tim's story. So talk a little bit about how you got connected to some of these individuals as well. Um, I just think I'm highly blessed, man. Like part of yeah. it's like the whole like taking action and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, I, I think we actually put it in our podcast too. There's a specific way that you need to talk to people, especially people of that caliber, right? Um, they don't want a fanboy. They want right. somebody who actually appreciates them and knows what their work is and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So um, there, there's a few, there's a few ways like I, dude, it's crazy. Like, you, do you know, Bobby Castro, like he, he was on the podcast too. Yeah. Um, who else recently, Jesse LaFlair reached out to me for like the guy from like, he's a like big time parkour guy. Yeah. Um, Sam back to before he passed away, which was, which was really sad, but um, yes. uh, all these, all these people, man, like, all it is is like the people that that reached out to me, I have enough content out there that they actually find it, whether it be on Instagram or like I get a, an email and they're like, hey, I just saw your podcast or I found it on Google or all this stuff. And they're like, we'd love to be on it. I have enough reviews on Apple because I actually like spend a lot of time to see on there. So that, that way when people go on the Apple podcast, they're like, wow, this is an actual real podcast that has like a following. Um, and when I reach out to them, I don't say, hey, you know, uh, Tim, Hey, Tim story, you know, um, I think it would be great if I had you on my podcast, blah, 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 blah. Um, I just say, Hey, um, you know, I've been following you for a while. The, the thing that, you know, most impressed me about you was blah, blah, blah. I just wanted to say, thank you. First of all, like above everything else, thank you for everything that you're doing really changed my life. Appreciate it more than you can ever know. Second, I have a podcast this is the description. It's about ambitious people. It's about the modern day hunters, blah, blah, blah. I believe you would be a great fit. Let me know if you think the same. Peace. Yep. No, no, nothing else. You know, no, yeah. no, no, like, hey, it's this long. It's audio. Right. Is it nothing? Let yep. them say yes or no. 
you know? And what I found is everybody says yes. And they're like, email this person. I email them. The person takes a while maybe to email me back. I'm not rude to that person. They end up coming on the show. Absolutely. yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's a crazy life. Um, a lot of what I do is pretty much I throw something out there and if it comes back, it comes back. And if it doesn't, it just doesn't. That's great. So just in the different episodes of your podcast, um, obviously a lot of great content on there. We'll include that in, uh, in the description down below, but Ruben for you, what's one or two things that you've either noticed in your conversations or I guess kind of underlying consistent themes that have stuck out to you? Ah, man, you're, you're asking, you're asking good questions. (laughs) You're asking very good questions. So let's see. Um, there, I guess there's two different types of people that I have on the show at all times. One of them is the people who have made it by the classifications of, of a lot of us, right? Like 90% of us would say, Hey, that person has made it. The other, the other half of the people that I'm interviewing are the people who want to make it the people who are on the way up. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think the people that have, that have actually made it, their main thing is always about time and giving yeah. back. Right. So they're always saying like, like Bobby Castro dudes worth, like he left at a val- his company valued at like $3 billion walked out with like 300 million or some of that. So I, I straight up asked him, I'm like, how do you, how do you actually validate spending, you know, an hour with me if that's how you view your time? And yeah. he goes, because he's like, because I work so much, I didn't give time to anyone. And now is the time to give back. Now is the time to share. Now is the time to do all these things, right? And and that's what it is. Like everybody just wants to leave behind a legacy once they made it. So the people who are coming up, and I ask them like, hey, you know, what are you doing to make it? They say I'm, bu- I'm busting my ass and all this other stuff. And I think that there's this disconnect of like, what are you doing for your legacy when you're coming up? Yeah. Are you giving? Are you giving back? And I'm not saying like selfishly, like you know, going going on shows and everything, saying you're giving back because reality, you're doing it for you. I mean, right. like, do you do you take you know a day off a week to be with your family because you know it's actually important? Are you actually spending Saturdays and Sundays off? Or you know, does your does your work demand more of your time? Like, are you are you able to leave a legacy without spending 80 hours a week working because that's yep. what we were taught to believe? You know, that's good. So there's two things I want to. Uh, I guess, elaborate on there. So one was you had said, you know, uh, people that feel like, hey, they've, they've actually made it. And I don't know about your experience, but my experience of surrounding myself with uh, high achievers, you know, high performance individuals is that it's almost as the more they accomplish, the less they feel like they've made it right. And they feel like they've got more that they're working on. And that's such an interesting thing, right? Because from a perception, if, if you're not at that same level, you're like, man, they've made it. And when you talk yeah. to those people, oftentimes they're like, oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm not even close to where I think mm-hmm. I'll be. And I just think that's such an interesting thing. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, um, I can definitely relate to that because, uh, my, my podcast by all means is doing well. My business by all means is doing well. Like I, I tend to compare myself, especially in the business. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? Right. Yeah. But what's funny is that, what is it? I think it's 90 to 95% of all um, businesses never make over six figures. Or something wow. Like okay. Yeah. It's, it's some it's like stupid high number. And then I, I had heard it once took a while, heard it again. And I'm like, Oh, that's true. So then I'm like, dude, in my first 12 months, I made more than six figures. So I'm, I'm ahead. Right. Yeah. But you always think like, okay, but why, why can't I break that threshold? 
Yeah. Right. So you, you, yes, you, you know, I'm above the, the 90, 95, but who cares? Because there's still something that I'm missing. So it's like, no matter what happens, you're always like, why am I missing something? Why am I not smart enough? What am I missing? What's the secret? What's the, give me the juice, you know, like, mm. and, um, you know, YouTube, uh, a lot of people don't make it on YouTube either. Right. Um, my channel is, is monetized for one. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm at like 3,700 subscribers. Um, I'm gaining about like 20 or 30 a day. So by all means, I'm like, I'm good. Right. But I'm like, why am I not at 10,000? Why am I not getting the millions, you know? And, and it's one of those things where it's just, you you always demand more. You always feel like there's more and that you're smarter, that you should be smarter that the person who had, you know, freaking Logan Paul, dude, Logan Paul, Jake Paul, if they can like, why do they have it? And I don't, you know what I mean? Like that type of stuff, not even to say like, Hey, I'm comparing myself to them, but like, dude, I'm better than that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I should be better than that. No, I understand that. That's good. I like that mindset. And I'll have a question here in a minute about that. But before I go to that one, um, another thing that I wanted to just mention, you talked about giving back. And, you know, once again, uh, oftentimes we don't give back, so it gets publicity. But I thought it was pretty cool. So I made a note of it. Last year in May, you did an event and you had some philanthropic give back associated with that. Would you mind just spending a minute talking about that? Yeah, so... um... Like, like you said, I, I usually don't talk. That was, that was one of the, the things, but um, I had, I had somebody actually call me out. And, and I think that that's the problem with it is that whenever we, whenever we talk about give back, people are like, oh my God, look, this guy, he's doing it for publicity or whatever. And when we don't, and then we end up buying some, ourselves something nice. People are like, oh my God, you're buying something nice. Why don't you ever give it? So like, I was like, dude, I can't believe this. Like, I honestly can't, right? Because last year, um, I, I put this in a podcast. I gave like 10% of everything that we made, 10%, I gave that back. Yeah. Whether it was donations, whether it was GoFundMes, whether it was like people that suffered with COVID, like all that stuff, I, I ended up giving it back. And what, what led me to that was that I bought some Gucci shoes and somebody was like, how dare you talk? Like, you know, you're, you're posting about all the, the stimulus and, and the PVPs and all this stuff and you're buying. And I'm like, dude, F you do like, like all I, all I do is give. And I guess I actually have to talk about it more, you know, because if you don't like people just have this wrong idea that you're just like a person who only talks about money and like, I've made it and look at my accomplishments. But yeah, in that event, um, it was for, for women's breast cancer. Yeah. And, um, what, what I learned from that is that, um, find, find something. Cause I, like, I felt good about it, but I was the wrong person to talk about it. Mm. That was, that was what I learned from that event. Um, whenever you have a cause that you want to donate to make sure that you are the right voice, because right. if not, you're expending energy that you could actually be raising money for, for something else that people would listen to. And in that event, I did raise some money, but it wasn't a lot. And the reason was is because it was for women's breast cancer. And I felt really bad for, for Reba because she's doing so much that I wish I could have raised more, right? So like I pretty much matched what, um, see, it's, it's hard to talk about, right? Like I'm like, I matched, oh, you know, me, hear me out. But I, I matched what, um, what was earned with my own money. If I would have talked something about like kids without fathers or something like that, mm-hmm. I feel like I could have raised like 10 times, 20 times more. Yeah. Because people would have actually listened. People would have been like, oh, I know Ruben suffered through that, blah, blah, blah. So if you're if you're going to raise money, if you're going to do something, make sure that it actually really, really aligns with who you are. And you'll actually be doing a lot more good than if you just kind of want to say, hey, I really feel bad for her. And I just donate some money yep. and then let other, because she's doing her work too. And they're right. going to donate that way. You can do a lot more good for someone else. 
Yeah. You know, and I think just the, the topic in general um, of giving, how to talk about it, I think a lot of it, you know, comes down to how do you, how's it presented, right? To your point, if it's, hey, look at me, I'm so good because I donated money. Yeah, that's oftentimes very off-putting, makes people feel like, well, gosh, I mean, like good for you, but why, why were you really doing it? Yeah. But to your point, I think when you can help people understand why you give and like what that's doing for someone else, it can really start a movement, right? Because yeah. w- without somebody knowing Ruben gave money, there's a good chance no one else is going to give money at all. So it's, I think a lot about the delivery, but yeah, it is definitely a uh, tough, a uh, very fine line to be walking on. So yeah, it, it's definitely something that you have to bring light to, like you can't be quiet about it. Yep. Um, because it also is affecting you. It's affecting you, the way your business is seen, all that stuff. And and at the end of the day, like if you're putting all this time and energy and effort, I'm telling you, like I, I learned it. Like I, I, I had to learn it the hard way. And that's why I was going to just say something or I was going to make a post about it. But I was like, no, I got to make something that's really long term. So people like the, the podcast, they're going to find it. They're going to find that episode over and over and over and over again. And I don't have to keep telling the same story. Yep. So that's good. That's good. Well, so kind of last question and, and then mm-hmm. we'll wrap it up for me. Uh, so this idea was presented to me years ago and it's just something that I always like to ask high, high performers and that is, it's the idea of blissful dissatisfaction, okay? And so mm-hmm. there are certain people that say, you know what, I reached this certain level, I hit my first goal and now I'm just gonna plateau because I finally hit my goal, right? Then there are other people that I think probably you and I would fall more into this camp and it's like, well, I hit this goal, but now what, like, what more can I do or what can I do next? And so mm-hmm. we very rarely take any uh, time to enjoy our accomplishments because we're always on to the next thing. So for you, how do you balance that taking, you know, gratitude and happiness from, Hey, I hit this certain goal, but not losing the drive to get to the next goal. Man, that's, that's a, that's a complex like answer. Like my, my brain is firing like every <laughs> cylinder that that's in there. Um, I, I don't know if this is going to answer the question, right? Yeah. But but here's here's the best way that I can kind of put like our addiction, right? I, I don't think that it's wrong, to be honest. Yep. I think that that being satisfied is wrong because ultimately, would you eat, would you rather eat a little every day or not eat anything and then eat every seven days? Mm. And you can't, you need food. You know what I mean? So it's like, if you, if you don't eat, you're going to starve. So it's like, you, you can say like, okay, well, look, I'm going to, I'm going to go hunt and I'm going to go hunt this big freaking deer. Right. And then you're just like, dude, this deer that I just like hunted was like massive. Right. But then, you know, after like two days, the deer doesn't really taste that good anymore. Right. Deer starting to to spoil. It's starting to rot. You see an elephant, you know what? Like the deer was actually too lean. And you're like, oh, dude, this elephant's got some some meat on it. It's like, Ruben, why would you go hunt that elephant? It's like, dude, it just looks more delicious. You know what I mean? So that that's the thing, is like you just I don't think that we're meant to be satisfied. You know what I mean? If if like if I lose an arm and I'm like, dude, I don't want to go hunting, I think people would understand, but that doesn't mean that I can't do other stuff, right? So it all all just comes based on like what our potential is. Like if if you believe that you deserve more because you know you, then that's 100% on you. And that's why um, I I think one of the most difficult things that we have right now is like we compare ourselves to others, 
but it's never really about compare. Like if you're, if you're mad when you look at somebody else and you go, Oh, Hey, that person has a million dollar business. And I don't, you're never really mad at that other person. You're always just mad because you're like, I know that I should have a million dollar business and I don't. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, comparison uh, ruins a lot of joy in the world. Yeah. Oh man. That's good. That is good. Well, Ruben, I appreciate the heck out of your time today, brother. Uh, it's been so much fun to have you on the episode and to hear just the uh, you know number of pivotal moments from culinary school, right, to manufacturing, to now into the entrepreneurial space, uh, all the great things you've already done, all the great things you're going to continue to do. So thanks so much, my man. Yeah, man, this was great. You asked like really, really good questions. <laughs> well, thanks, brother. I appreciate it. I love how Ruben just absolutely owns his life. He says, hey, you know what? There's an opportunity out there. I want to pursue it. And I want to meet these types of people. And so we reached out to folks that were in the financial realm and in the success level that he wanted to be. So Ruben, congratulations on your business, the success you've already had and the success you'll continue to have and on your awesome podcast. Have a great rest of the day, everybody.